you pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there anything here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Okay, let's say someone sins against you. Are you supposed to forgive them? Well, that's what Jesus said. Yeah, but what if they do it over and over and over? And you wonder, where can I draw the line? Yeah, but is there a line? Well, let's find out what Jesus had to say. Okay, today, today on, on More Than, Than Ink. Well, this is More Than Ink, and across the table from me is the lovely Dorothy. And across the table from me is the handsome Jim. Ooh, here we go. Well, we're glad you're with us today. We are walking our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, we're actually coming to the end of Jesus' Galilee tour. He's going to head south pretty soon here, but he's got a little teaching reserve for us, and we're going to look at it today. But how, why don't you catch us up to where we are, what happened last time we were reading in Matthew? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of heavy stuff in chapter 18. If you remember, clear back to the beginning, beginning of the chapter, the disciples had come to him and said, oh, well, who's the greatest? Who's and he grabs a child and begins yeah. talking about humbling yourself, right? Right, right? And then a little while later, he leads on to uh, not letting, not causing one of these little ones to stumble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he talks about the necessity of running into stumbling blocks in this broken the, world. The inevitability we, of it. The inevitability of right, it. We are not right. going to be able to avoid it. It's and don't happen. you, as my followers, walk into behavior that leads another to ruin, Yeah. right? So, um, and he leads them into forgiveness of personal offense or forgiveness of mm-hmm. offense, uh, mm-hmm. being going after your brother for his restoration. For his restoration. And that's right. what came right before this, right? And he had told them, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. Yeah. So... So we're, so we're still in the whole topic of being offended or sinned against. We're still in the topic of being sinned against and forgiveness. Yeah. And Peter clearly understood that mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. in verse 21, which is where we're starting today in chapter 18, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus okay, said to just, him. Let's just stop there for a second. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting thing because. Well, I don't say seven times, but 77 times. Everybody knows. That. Everyone knows that, yeah. But Peter's proposition when he says that, he, he could have just said, how often should I forgive? Right. End of question, right? Right. And then go on. But by offering the seven, he's actually going a little over the top here. Okay. Because uh, what I hadn't realized was that the rabbis had always taught that three times is your max, and you should <laughs> never forgive on the fourth offense. Never. <laughs> never. And they, they pull it somewhere out of the book of Amos. I forget exactly how it works, but I remember this. So when Peter's saying, how many times should I do it? He's thinking, oh, well, I'll go beyond what's required. I'll go the complete number. I won't go three. I'll go seven. Wait, is seven enough? Surely seven's a lot right there. So he's really he's really going big when he even proposes that. And he thought he's gone as big as he needs to. And Jesus says, nope, seven's not even enough. Completely complete. Yeah. Right, because that that idea of seven being the whole thing, right, 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 the complete picture, and Jesus says, "Oh, you don't even know how complete complete is." No, <laughs> seventy no. times seven. Seventy times seven, which is you know that's a lot of 
It's a lot of well, offense. It's multiplying <laughs> your multiplication. Yeah. And you know what I didn't realize until I looked at this just a little while ago is the fact that Jesus is using uh, he's using a picture from Genesis 4. Mm. Remember Cain and Abel? Cain's the bad guy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because he murders Abel. Well, there's a part in, in Genesis 4 that talks about um, the generations of sin that's oh. going to come from Cain, the generations. And he actually talks about uh, it's, it's his great, 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 grandson Lamech which I think is actually five generations later and he says now catch us he says uh, because of what Cain the bad that Cain has done and and the judgment he's going to get it says if Cain's revenge is sevenfold then Lamech five generations later mm-hmm. is 70 times sevenfold mm-hmm. so it's his way of saying if Cain you know uh, if Cain reaped the whirlwind of judgment you know five generations later it's 70 times seven it's even that much worse he's mm-hmm. actually spawned a huge society of people that are, have been infected by his sin. So yeah, and actually Lamech is the seventh generation from Adam yes, where the exactly. sin began. Where it began. So that's right. the picture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, isn't that interesting? But he uses that phrase, seven for Cain, 70 times seven. So when Jesus quotes that right here, they would recognize huh. this and say, well, you know, how much sin, a Cain level of sin to forgive? No. A Lamech Lamech level. level. That's what he's saying. And I never put that together before. Yeah, it's exactly that phrasing. That's very interesting, but that rings true. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it really does. (laughs) It really does. So, okay. So let's read on because here comes the parable now because Jesus begins by saying, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared, right? That's the way he began all those kingdom parables. To illustrate this 70 times 7, just to give you an idea how impossible this is. Right. So... The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. (laughs) And out of pity, the Pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Let's pause there. Yeah, for it's a, a big deal. That just, How big a debt? It's a big deal here. This is a big deal. Yeah. Well, you know, 10,000 talents is, is valued in the millions. Yeah, this terms. is a debt this guy would have had no hope no way. of repaying. No way. Even if he begs a little more time, there is no way he's going to pay this back. That's why that's why I kind of laugh when you when you read that one verse because he says he says, you know, uh he says, "Have patience with me, and I'll pay, I'll you, pay everything. you everything." No stinking right. way! That's you never going to happen. Can't live long enough no. to repay so, everything. You know, I think even when Jesus told this parable, the, the disciples probably chuckled a little bit, like, huh, "Yeah, fat chance that's never going to happen, even with a little time." No way. So remember, Jesus predicated this by saying, "This is like the kingdom of heaven." So yeah. we've got a king, and we've got a guy who owes him more than can ever He's be deep, repaid deep by his own yes. life efforts. Deep, deep debt. Deep, hmm. deep debt. And and it's even you know even what the what the um, the loner is asking you know to have these this man and his family put into slavery. I mean it, it's that's not even going to make a dent in the debt. Um, so, but that would be what you would do. You know. And sometimes we lose sight of the fact that this is the king's servant, so he belonged to the king already. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Everything he had and was. That's right. Yeah. To the so king. basically, what he's saying <laughs> is that as my servant, I'm going to sell you off to someone else who will buy you, and I'll just take whatever they pay for you, and I'll call at the end call of it. I mean, it's it, still yeah. just barely scratching the debt. I mean, it's just a huge thing. It's an impossible thing. But it says out of 
pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. Wow. So the kingdom is like a king who forgives immeasurable debt, not because the guy begs, but because the king himself is good. That's right. Out of pity for him. He doesn't say the debt didn't matter or that it didn't exist. Right, right. It's, okay. It's 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 an act of mercy, just to be clear. And it's uh it's a, it's interesting that when you get a when you get a feeling for how big the debt is, you get a feeling for how big the mercy is. Mm-hmm. It's a gigantic forgiveness. That's a pretty direct equation. And that's those go together. Those go together. So scene two in the story. Scene two. <laughs> verse twenty eight. When that same servant went out, he just got his freedom, just got his release. Ooh. He went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. <laughs> so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Okay, stop there. Whoa. That's scene two. Okay. <laughs> What a different scene. <laughs> Using the same phrase, have patience with me and I'll right. pay you. But then again, the result is wholly different. And and he, and he puts him in prison. Right, and, right. Until and he can pay the debt. Well, if he's in prison, he has no way of earning money to pay the debt. Right, right. But the 100 denarii is a puny, puny. amount. A denarii is a day of work. Yeah, so a couple, couple months labor. A couple months of work. It's it's a doable thing, actually. Uh, he could do it, but it doesn't even compare. It's not even a blip on a measure of what the previous debt was. No, and you know, some people who have mathematics uh, <laughs> syndromes look at this and they wonder about the ratio between these two sums oh, of money. Uh-huh. It's about 600,000 to one. Oh. Yeah. 600,000 to one. So, you know, Jesus doesn't say anything about the motives of this guy. That's kind of yeah. beyond the reach of the parable. He's just yeah. setting up the comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and again, this is a parable. So these aren't real people, but right. they indicate a reality. Right. Right. So the one guy is forgiven an impossible sum to pay back, and the other guy is persecuted for a sum that he could have paid back. Right. And the other thing is, the first sum is forgiven by a king yes. to a servant. Yeah. These are these men are equal. They're co-fellow. They're, they're fellow co-laborers. workers. Laborers. Yeah. They're fellow yeah. servants. Yeah. Neither one of them has any authority over the other. And and uh, when Jesus tells the story, the ferocity of this guy, the ferocity, yeah. he seizes him and begins to choke him. <laughs> so he, <laughs> so he's like, "Pay me back! Pay me back!" And he's, you can see this in the movie. He's just throttling this guy. Yeah, that's a in good word movie? to use. Actually, have you seen this movie? No, the movie of <laughs> the, the movie of the Gospels. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I see him with his hands around this neck and just his head wobbling back and forth as he's saying pay me what you owe me i mean it's it's fierce it's mm. fierce so different from the calm patient mercy with the king yeah. so here comes scene three verse 31 when his fellow servants saw what had taken place they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken Uh-oh. place then his master summoned Uh-oh. him and said to him you wicked servant I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Mm -hmm. So, and here's Jesus' conclusion, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Ouch. 
Yes. <laughs> it's a poignant answer to how many times should we forgive? Right. <laughs> like, well, forever. That's what he's trying to say. And it, it is interesting that um, that the, his coworkers are the ones that sort of right. blow the whistle on him because they see this they see this wretched attitude and it offends them as well. It's just they were greatly distressed. That word is just gigantic in here. They looked at that and said that is just not right. And isn't it interesting that his co-laborers, his co-servants, are the ones who recognize the injustice yeah. of the sin. Yeah. Right. They recognize the misbehavior and the uh, the inappropriate response. Yeah. And where do they go with it? To the master. Yep. 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 And even when we see this parable, I mean, we're human beings. We look at this and say, this is just wrong. Someone who's received that much mercy, that much forgiveness, yeah. who's received so much from a debt that was just immensely impossible to pay back. I mean, your heart should be grateful. You shouldn't be going around throttling other people for the little sums that they owe you. I mean, it's just it's just totally wrong. If you have received that much mercy, then the natural course of your heart is to give mercy to others. Right. That's the natural connection. And when that connection isn't made, there's something very wicked going on inside of you. That's sin. That's why he calls him a wicked servant. Well, and it demonstrates that you really have not understood, you have not grasped the weight of what has been forgiven you. Right. When you cannot complete that transaction by then extending a, a comparatively small forgiveness to someone you know jesus actually had already said this back way back in matthew 6 when he was at the sermon on the mount that's right we've heard this before when they asked him lord teach us to pray or he was Mm -hmm. commenting on praying yeah and part of the pattern prayer in matthew 6 is in verse 12 forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There it is. And then he comes around to the end of the prayer a couple of verses later, in verse 14 of Matthew 6, he says, For if you forgive men their transgressions for your heavenly... If you forgive men for their transgressions, Mm -hmm. your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Mm. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive you. Well, that sounds pretty conditional. Yeah, it's what I call the great reciprocity function, which <laughs> is right. if you want to be given mercy, you better be giving mercy. That's right. And it's a natural course of the heart to give mercy when you receive mercy. But if you take the mercy you've received and and you don't understand the value of it, you don't right. understand how immense the debt was and hence how immense the mercy is, then you won't make the connection to forgive others as well. Well, and you know, remember, we've been talking over the last couple of weeks of how Jesus said, you know, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. Right. Take up right. your cross and follow me. And, and nowhere is that more applicable as when no, someone offends you. Don't be setting your mind <laughs> on man's interest right. or on self-interest, but on God's interest. Yes. And, you know, to, to jump back into the parable in Matthew 18, this king expects of his servants that they will mimic his character. Right. That they will do as he has done to them. Well, they serve the king. They reflect the king's household. They reflect reflect his his values and his ways. Right, right. So so we as people who have been forgiven by God should be masterful (laughs) and uh, in terms of bringing forgiveness to others. I mean, because it's been so much we've been forgiven of. Yeah, so, you know, Paul in, in Ephesians 4.32, uh, after this long list of things about being not being angry and about the words that come out of your mouth, and in Ephesians 4.32 he says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, 
forgiving each other just as God in Christ just, also has forgiven as. you. Yep. Well, how has God forgiven us? Just as. Oh, yep. Because he's merciful. He's given us out of yep. his own free will, out of his love, out of his purposes for us. Right, right. To redeem right. us. Yeah, because, you know, when this guy throttled the other guy, <laughs> in a way what he was saying is that I'm righteous and you're not. Right. And I'm going to exact that out of you. But when we all realize that we're not righteous, that we have been forgiven so much, then when someone exhibits that kind of sin against us, we say, well, you know, there but for the grace of God go mm-hmm. I. I've been saved from that and you can be too. And so you let that go. I mean, you know how to forgive because you've been forgiven so much. You get it. There, there's another, there's a place in James where he says the same thing. Now, his language is a little more complicated, but listen, listen to this carefully, because now that you know that we're talking about giving mercy when you've received mm-hmm. mercy, he says, he says, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy, mm. and mercy triumphs over judgment. So what he's saying is that, you know, judgment is without mercy. It's just going to be the rule of the law to the one who has shown no mercy. And uh, it's it's a context where James is talking about this vague thing he calls the law of liberty. But what he, that's what he's talking about. There is a law that states what righteousness is all about. But righteousness and sin is something that's real. And from God's perspective, He has He has shown us mercy. And so there's a there's a law of liberty around that. So if God has shown you mercy, and you have not shown mercy, well. It's without mercy to the one who's shown no mercy. And in fact, that's what happens with the king That's here. what happens in yeah. the parable, isn't when it? When <laughs> he demonstrates no mercy, his judgment is without any mercy that's at right. all. Yeah. So does it, you know, it's it's pretty blatant in the story, in the parable. Yeah. In anger, the master delivers him over to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Well, you know, in a couple of the other translations of this, it doesn't say jailers, it says torturers. Torturers, I know. Right? I know. The ones who hold you in bondage well in reality unforgiveness itself holds us in bondage it does yeah it does we are in bondage to our own self-interest yeah yeah because we we nurture that kind of retribution that kind of you know i want to strike back kind of stuff so that you know maybe we should just spend a minute or two talking about what does it actually mean to forgive yeah that's a good question because because uh, I think sometimes we think oh I'll just I'll just pretend it didn't happen that's not forgiveness no or when someone says you know reflexively oh that's okay no it actually wasn't it okay. wasn't okay <laughs> no. that's right forgiveness does not <laughs> right. say it didn't happen and it doesn't say what happened wasn't wrong it doesn't diminish the wrong the wrong is real that's true the issue is is how you're going to deal with the with the real sin that's been visited on you what right. are you what's your response and the reality is that we can't adequately deal with someone else's sin. Only God can. So when we forgive, we release the necessity of expecting payback from the person who hurt us. Because we want some kind of equalization. Right. But we let go of our right to exact it. Yeah. And like Jesus did, we entrust our souls to a faithful creator. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter 223 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trust God to put it right yeah and that's at the center of that very harsh phrase that vengeance is mine say the Lord right and it's it's it sounds pretty harsh but all he's saying is that when it comes down to justice justice in the face of sin that, right. that has been suffered on you 
you know, we're going to let God settle that score. We're going to let God take care of that. It's not going to be my vengeance. It's not going to be my hobby horse I get on to make this yeah. person feel as bad as I feel that they've made because me feel. Because we are not capable of acting ever, I don't think, completely free of self-interest. No, nor objectivity. No. And what if it's what if it's an inadvertent slam? Right. What if it wasn't meant on purpose? And then you persecute this person or you harbor notions of persecuting the rest of your life? What a horrible thing that's done to you. Well, and isn't it the book of Hebrews that talks about how when we harbor unforgiveness, that it yields this root this of, root of bitterness. bitterness that yeah. contaminates many. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It just kind of escalates. Yeah. And and you hear people who do successfully forgive. Talk about the fact that it, it, it takes a huge weight off mm. their shoulders. It's like been a burden their entire life to seek this justice. And when they finally let yeah. go of that, they're free of that. It doesn't control them. It doesn't dominate their thinking. It doesn't dominate their fantasies. I mean, And it doesn't mean that that person did no wrong or exactly. that it didn't matter. doesn't yeah. mean that at all. It just means it's something that you are not adequate to carry that burden. So release it to God. Let go go of it and stop expecting but, the person who hurt you to make it up to you yeah but don't we normally we normally think that to forgive someone is to is to diminish what they've done right and it's it's not the fact i mean it's, it's real know, that is not the case at all in god's forgiveness of us because what did it cost him exactly right yeah, the, exactly the value of the life of the son of god in the flesh right is uncalculable incalculable yeah yeah and that's why in the original scene when the king has this gigantic debt the cost of that forgiveness is immense i mean Mm -hmm. he's not saying oh that's okay i don't need the money no it's it's a real loss and so so when we talk about the forgiveness of god we're talking about a forgiveness that costs an immense amount in the blood of Mm -hmm. christ and and that's the immense amount that you could never pay back yourself even though with all the patience in the world you couldn't pay that back but he forgives you that debt immensely. So one aspect of harboring unforgiveness for us is that it gives Satan a place to build a, a opposition to God in our lives. Right. And right. I came across today uh, where Paul in in the beginning of 2 Corinthians is talking about uh, forgiving someone in the body who had wounded everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we want to read with me in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11, this is kind of the end of his argument, but I'll just pick it up right here at the end. Verse 10, But whom you forgive anything, I forgive also, for indeed... What I have forgiven, if I've forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in Mm. the presence of Christ in order that no advantage be taken of us by Satan. Mm. For we're not ignorant of his schemes. Right. Right. How does Satan take advantage of us when we harbor unforgiveness? Well, he grows in us this bitterness that doesn't go away, that Mm -hmm. tortures us, Mm -hmm. that causes us to be angry, and then we bury it deeper, and then it springs out and gets all over everybody. Sometimes (laughs) we have no idea why we're so angry or why we're so bitter, but it all roots back to that single unforgiven well, you know, we you know, have not let go of. We've just sucked that bitter little root. It's a great example in that thing I just read about Cain in Genesis right. 4. There's right. that anger and hatred from Cain that contaminates all those generations mm-hmm. past him. 70 times 7. I mean, so yeah, Satan can use it to contaminate a, a lot of yeah. people with that bitterness. And we know people like this. We know people who are just so concentrated on their hate because of the offense that, that they're contaminating everybody. 
But that there's another side effect, though, and it's not really a side effect. It's central because when you're offended, you feel like you're the pure righteous one and right. they're the pure sinner. Well, you're not a pure righteous one. <laughs> However, you will you will visit that offense so often that you'll build yourself right. up in your own mind. And the last thing you need to do as a believer in Jesus, the last thing to do is to build yourself up as self-righteous. And offenses push you that direction. Well, boy, then we're right back there where Jesus is saying to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. Right? You yeah. are a stumbling block. You are setting your mind on God's interests. You're yeah. building yourself up. And you're building yourself up. And let me just close with this, because we need to be more like God and not like selfish people. He <laughs> says in Luke six thirty five, love your enemies, do good, lend, right. lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, right. for he's kind to the ungrateful and he's kind to the evil. So be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Mm. You need to be like God and not like a selfish, self-righteous person. And to the degree that we are merciful, we are demonstrating that we have understood and grasped for we get ourselves it. We get the it. depth of the mercy of God. Yep. Yep, and that's that's what characterizes Christians probably more than anything else, a humility about the fact that a gigantic debt has been paid on my behalf that I could never, ever hope to pay on my own. And I continue to be amazed as every year goes by that God has still paid the price for my debt. Wow, that's mm-hmm. central. Well, look, we're running out of time. <clears throat> Next time, as we go into chapter 19, um, it's going to say that uh, he's going to go away from Galilee. Jesus is going away from Galilee, and he's going to enter the region of Judea, far in the south. And this is the beginning of tremendous persecution and horrors. And as he gets down there, he'll be confronted instantly by Pharisees who want to argue and test him. And uh, this confrontation between the people who hate him and his mission as the Son of God will continue to proceed until he's crucified. And so that's where we start to next week when we go into chapter 9. So read ahead a little bit. Chapter 19. 19. Did I say 9? 19, yeah. And we'll, we'll see exactly that kind of maelstrom of hate that he's going to step right into willingly, willingly. And he's going to die for the very people that are persecuted. So come back with us next time as we go into chapter 19. Read ahead if you want. And we'll, uh, we'll look at Jesus doing what he did for us. So I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we'll see you next time on More Than Ink. There are many more episodes of this broadcast to be found at our website, morethaninc.org. And while you're there, take a moment to drop us a note. Remember, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Pick it up and read it for yourself, and you will discover that the words printed there are indeed more than ink. I forget what I'm supposed to say. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City.